the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Today, we're glad you're on and uh, listening. And it is a great, great day uh, here at AFR as we share in Exploring the Word of God. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter 16 and starting with verse 12, but we are just excited about you listening today. And guess what? You can also watch. And that is, you can go to AFR Facebook and you can see it live and also streaming.afa.net and it's live streaming. This is a new thing here at, on Exploring the Word. All the other programs have been doing it a little bit, but they uh, waited a little while for us so we could get the groundwork done. So hope you enjoy it so much. Again, mm-hmm. AFR Facebook and streaming at afa.net. Well, Alex, I just got asked, did you make it back to North Carolina, brother? We did. Thanks for asking. Angie and I landed a couple of hours ago. And I had the privilege of doing The Awakening, the, the show for Bishop E.W. Jackson, The Awakening, and had a really good show and got situated, and here we are with Exploring the Word. Now, I don't know if you can see me, but I can see you, and, and I'm going to hold up something here, because this is what we've got on this show. Can you see what I'm holding up? I do not. I've got a different screen up right now, and so... Uh, I don't see either one of us, which might be an advantage, at least half of that is anyway. Alex, what are you holding up, though? Well, it says Holy Bible, Old and New Testament, and that's what we're about on Exploring the Word is the Holy Bible. And so, you know, current events are important, and we love to cover the news and what's going on in the world. But you know what? In this transient world, isn't it good that we have the stable, unshakable rock of God and His Word. And, and you know, I just think it's a blessing that more than a decade ago, Tim Wildman had this vision that in the middle of the afternoon, in the middle of the news day, we're going to pull away from the, from the noise of the world and get back to that still, small voice from the Word of God, which is forever. It is. And matter of fact, the Bible makes it plain. It is settled in heaven. The Bible says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is truth. And that's what we're going to do today in the book of John, chapter 16. Now, Alex, verse 12 and 13 says this. Now, listen, I still, Jesus is speaking, red letters. He's talking to his apostles. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Spirit of God. The Word of God with the Spirit of God helps us to know truth. And Alex, honestly, uh, knowing truth for sure any other way is not going to happen. Now, we can look at God's creation and know some truth. We can know some things in our conscience that... You know, people will say, well, evil. Well, sometimes you know it's evil, but the Word of God, it is the sure Word of God for truth. And then notice what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Isn't that something? The Spirit of truth leads us to the Word of truth so that we might live in the truth. Well, amen. Well, the word truth is so important, and the the word truth, T-R-U-T-H, is very much prominent in the Bible. Now, what is truth? Is it somebody's opinion? Is it somebody else's best guess? No, truth, this is how scholars define it, truth is that which corresponds to reality. It's the way things really are. And folks, if you want to know truth, timeless truth, eternal truth, you got to get into the Bible, because uh, God exists, God has revealed himself to the world, that is truth. We are forgiven of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ, that is truth. Now, Bert, in John 16, and also in Romans 8, I love the way that God sometimes speaks of uh, possessive things, like in verse 14, Jesus 
speaks about the Holy Spirit, he is, the Lord says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. Now, am I any mine? What, what belongs to Jesus to show the world? Truth. What belongs to the Lord Jesus? The body of Christians, the church. He bought it. it Jesus can look at the church and say, mine. And in um, Romans 8, verse 9, in a similar way, it says, look, if you're in the flesh and you don't have the Holy Spirit and you've not received the truth, you are none of his. Isn't that something? You don't want Jesus to ever say of you that he is none of mine. No, we possess it. We want to belong to Jesus. Amen. And the, the way you belong to Jesus is you put your faith in him. And I just think it's beautiful. But John 16, really a repetition in a couple of ways, uh, in a couple of instances, Jesus says, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will guide you into all truth. And as hard as it must have been for them to watch the Savior ascend back into heaven and go away, even though they knew he would come again someday, and we look for that appearing even to this point. But the Spirit of God would come, and even now, Bert, for 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit of God has been working throughout the world, and the Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that worked through Peter, Paul, and all the apostles, that's the Holy Spirit in us today, isn't it? Same Holy Spirit. Now, Alex, notice this. He guides us, the Holy Spirit, he guides us, but guess what else? He glorifies Jesus. Now, that is the whole thing. If he guides us and he glorifies Jesus, guess what he will guide us to do? To glorify Jesus. How do you do that? You've already spoken through truth, the word of truth concerning us, concerning the world, concerning the past, the present, and the future. So those two G's, nail them down. The Holy Spirit will guide us and glorify Jesus. And when that is done, Alex, I just want to tell you, great things are going to happen. And notice what it says in 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. God is letting these men on and us on truth. He it's where he is and his truth, that's his truth. It's not my truth, it's not your truth, it is his truth. And when he his truth is revealed into us, Alex, then we can know the truth and we can be set free. And so Amen. this all works together, the Holy Spirit, the word of God working in us to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm. Alex, uh, that's that's what we're about uh, on this on this program. Uh, we pray uh, sometimes together, sometimes separately, but we're praying the biggest prayer we pray is that Jesus should be glorified. That is the purpose that of exploring the Word as much as anything. Yeah, we try to share the truth, people be saved, that answer questions that people might know, but the whole idea is that Christ Jesus is glorified, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You've heard the phrase about trying to do do justice by something, you know. <laughs> yes. Let let me let me tell you about this and oh boy, I hope I can do it justice. In trying to glorify God, uh what we're trying to do is reflect back to our Savior the honor and the gratitude due his name. You know, whether it be trying to teach a lesson or whether it be the way that we treat others or the way we conduct ourselves, the way we, you know, behave. And it's not only our actions, but our thought life and our priorities. And, Bert, I, I, I believe in tithing and giving and honoring the Lord with the first fruits of our substance, you know. Um, I know that the word tithing is an inherently agricultural word. And while, you know, most people probably don't grow acres of crops, but we do work a job and we have increase, um, Bert, worship really 
not only is it the most wonderful thing and, and the most joyful thing, worship brings joy to your soul. But if you're serious about giving glory and honor to God, it will really touch every aspect of your life, I believe. It will. I, I came up with this idea, and it, I don't think it was original. I probably heard it and then forgot it and then repeated it and thought, well, that was a good idea. But worship is not complete until the work of God has begun in my life. And mm. and then I'm to complete it. You understand? If I go right. to church on Sunday morning and I worship the Lord, the music's great, the message is challenging, e- even the invitation, the response time is one where the Holy Spirit is working and, and in people's lives, and I go away worshiping, and I don't do anything with what God spoke to me concerning in a song, concerning a verse of Scripture, a testimony, a prayer that I heard, and that work does not begin in my work. It really wasn't true worship. Uh, it was a, it was an experience of maybe emotion. And so then he completes that work. And that's a little bit of what he's talking about when he gets to verse 16. Listen to this. A little while and you will see me. And again, a little while you will, excuse me, let me start all over. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Uh, now, that they're going to repeat that back to Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> because yeah. here it is. But uh, we know because we're looking at it from hindsight. Uh, that's the advantage of having the Scripture that we have, and we know what happens. But he does ascend to the Father. He does, but he's coming back, isn't he, Alex? Well, he absolutely is, and we've often said this. Uh, Jesus has a 100% track record of keeping his promises. Uh, Is Jesus literally going to return to earth one day? Absolutely. You may count on it. God has fulfilled all of his promises. But he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he goes on, and, you know, they ask him, uh, what do you mean, a little while? Verse 18, we cannot tell what he saith. Um, Are we talking about a week? Lord, are we talking about six months? Well, Bert, even back in the Old Testament, there is, like in the book of Daniel, the idea of the Savior being cut off, Messiah being cut off, and then there's, you know, the kingdom of God on earth. What I don't think the prophets of old could have grasped, and certainly the disciples probably didn't grasp it either, there's this um, divine timeout, if you will, that you and I might call the church age. Right. And in fact, we're in that church age where the gospel is spread to every nation. We're in that time period even right now, aren't we? We are, but he is coming back. And we may say, well, where's the sign of his coming? The sign of his coming, more than anything else, he said, hey, I'm coming back. You can depend, just like Alex said, on his word. He has a track record of 100% keeping truth, and he is coming back. And matter of fact, we'll be back in a minute as well. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jen Easterly, Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. She works to reduce the nation's risk as it relates to terrorism and natural disasters. 2 Timothy 4.18 reminds us of the safety God provides. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jen Easterly as she works to protect our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Things either just happen or they don't. Dr. Tony Evans says the Bible has an important perspective on this either-or proposition. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony. Everything physical is caused or provoked by something spiritual. There is nothing that your five senses partake of that is not generated and influenced by that which your five senses do not partake of. Which means that if you're going to fight this battle, you need a sixth sense. Daniel chapter 4, 26 states that heaven rules what takes place on earth. Everything that takes place on earth was precipitated 
by something that took place in heaven. So that until you and I, listen now, can address the spiritual cause, we will never fix the physical effect. When we understand that this is spiritually provoked, it affects our worldview. Now, there are only two real worldviews. There is a naturalistic worldview that simply says that man, by his reason, can figure out how the world works. On the other side is the spiritual worldview. Everything that takes place on earth was precipitated by something that took place in heaven. So that until you and I, listen now, can address the spiritual cause, we will never fix the physical effect. When we understand that this is spiritually provoked, it affects our worldview. Learn how to get the upper hand in that struggle. Request a copy of Tony's book, Warfare. It'll teach you how to attack your troubles at the root. Learn more when you visit TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, verse 14. American Family Radio. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be? There was a great Christian leader some years back. Uh, there was a great Christian leader named Warren Wearsby. And Warren Wearsby, he was at one time pastor of Moody Church uh, before Erwin Lutzer. Great Christian leader, wrote many books. But Wearsby said Christianity is the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. And I'll explain in a moment, but this is Alex McFarland along with Bert Harper. And you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and the show is Exploring the Word. We're so honored that you're listening and or watching, uh, whatever the case may be. And in a few moments, we'll get to Bible questions as well. The number, if you have a Bible question, is uh, 888-589-8840. Bert, in John chapter 16, the, uh, the disciples are talking amongst themselves, and they say, what does he mean, a little while? Verse 19, Jesus says, uh, do you inquire among yourselves, because I said a little while and you will not see me, and a little while you will see me again. Verily I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your joy, your sorrow will be turned to joy. And he goes on and he talks about a woman in, in labor, birth pangs, and travail. Now let me see if I've got this uh, accurate, Bert. Uh, in this life, the born-again Christian can have sorrow and persecution. And the world might think everything's okay and the world rejoices. But the day is going to come when those that bore the cross and walked with Jesus will rejoice. And this world that was going on living for sin and darkness, the world is going to be sorrowful. And just like a woman goes through pain, but when the, the, the beautiful baby is born, the, the pains of childbirth are quickly forgotten. There's something being brought into reality, and that's the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And right now, as it says in Matthew 11, the kingdom has suffered violence, and it's a world of joy but also sorrow. It's a world of the kingdom going forth, but there is persecution. But just like the delivery of a baby, there is going to be the full realization of the kingdom of God on earth, and any past sorrows will ultimately be joy, won't it, Bert? That is so true, Alex. And when we were talking about that, my mind could not help but go to the rich man in Lazarus that Jesus talks about. And uh, after they die, Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, and he is has it great. It's good for there. It's comfortable there. He has his needs met there while the rich man is in torment, uh, in the flame. And, and so here it is. It's right reversed. You remember what, what he said? Uh, before this, you had it made, and Lazarus was suffering. 
right now in the church age, yes, we have brothers and sisters, especially all over the world, that are really, I mean, they're suffering because they're Christians. They're followers of Christ. I mean, Nigeria is just, it's difficult. North Korea, beyond measure. Uh, just so many. They're trying to uh, they're trying to get rid of them in so many of the Muslim-dominated yeah. countries. And so th- they're lamenting, they're hurting. But guess what? One day, again, here it is in verse 20, the sorrow will be turned into joy. Now, Alex, that day is coming. Now, every Christian, even in the freedom that we have in America and the freedoms that we have in other countries— what a freedom it is. What a great thing it is. And that's why one of the reasons AFR is a part of what we do. Uh, we are looking for that religious freedom that our Constitution promotes because of missions, because of worship. But I, I want to tell you, even the sorrow that we go through here in America, in the United States, the difficulties to go through, one day those sorrows, death, disease, heartache, will be turned into joy. So, Alex, yes, the answer is Jesus says, I am coming back, and he's going to make things right. That is awesome. It's not right right now. It is not. I think anybody can look in the world and say, man, this world is is in difficult situation. But one day it will be made right, and it's because of who Jesus Christ is, what he's done, where he is, and what he's going to do, Alex. Well, and, and you know, when we talk about the promises of God, let's not forget the promises to his church. And, you know, you read in the book of Revelation that, you know, the church will be gathered, but the martyrs will be vindicated, right? Now, verse uh, 22, Jesus says, And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man will take from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hey, you know, we've talked about Vance Havner's famous quote that once in heaven, all of our question marks will be exclamation points. You know, as C.S. Lewis said, um, before the face of Jesus, all of our questions will vanish away. Uh, Why will we not need an answer? Lewis said, because Jesus himself is the answer. And, and you know what? There, there's coming a day. Bert, I, briefly, just let me say this. Uh, a few years ago in Lima, Peru, Focus on the Family and I took teenagers down there, and we went to a lot of places in two and a half weeks. But I was in a church that was made of, like, shipping pallets. You know what a pallet is right. that a forklift can lift? And they had stacked them two and three high to create these walls that were— six to nine feet tall, and the roof was a series of these blue tarps. Right. You know, the like a blue tarp with grommets around the perimeter that you'd cover something up with. So I went in there, and in this church made of pallets and tarps, it was probably 20 by 25 feet, and there was easily 100 people packed in there. The singing, uh, I mean, the, the Spirit <laughs> of God was so heavily present and these people, these Peruvian pastors, were preaching the Word of God. It was one of the most intense Holy Spirit services I've ever been in, and yet it was poverty. And I mean, it was the lowest, um, dirtiest poverty you could ever imagine. And they asked me to get up and preach. And I, I told them, I said, you know, I, frankly, I'm not worthy. Amen. I'm really not Amen. worthy. And they were insistent, please bring a word. But I think about this. These people around the world that in what you and I might consider indigence and poverty, they're going to be clothed in white robes and in uh, the royalty of heaven. And folks, look, stay the path, bear your cross, walk with Jesus, because listen, I promise you on the authority of God's Word, God is going to make everything right. And all the suffering that his church has done, God's going to settle up accounts. Uh, and let me say, for the faithful that have followed Jesus, there will be rewards. Now, Bert, we don't do it for rewards. We, we serve the Lord because we love the Lord, and we're grateful for salvation. But I'm going to tell you, God's not going to give anybody the short end of the stick. 
he's going to do right by his church, isn't he? He will be. And I, I know if I get any rewards, I'm going to lay them at his feet. And I don't want to be empty handed. I want to be yeah. full and faithful. Now, Alex, I've got to go back to verse 23. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Now, there's three words that are, that are so important in my name. It's not a magic formula. Okay, Jesus, that doesn't make. No, in my name, it has the authority. It has direction. It has purpose. So what you ask in his name, his purpose, his direction, his authority, it will be given to you. Not to you for your whims, not for necessarily your comfort. God is, as I've heard Alex, you say, but it all, the first person I ever heard say it was Dr. Adrian Rogers when he said, God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And if he can make you uncomfortable so he can develop your character, he will do so. And so here we ask in his name, it's his purpose, his direction, his authority. And when you do that, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Your joy comes out of this relationship with Christ, out of following his purpose, not on what you get, not on what you're receiving, not making things in life easier, but following Christ. These things I've spoken to you in verse 25 in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because mm. you have loved me and have believed that I come from the Father. Now, Alex, Amen. again, when we see this, Jesus had some figurative language. I think he used it for more than one reason. One, so he could just do it for the apostles and so, kind of those people that did not have any spiritual appetite at all would be left out. But also, he did it to let them dig deeper. God really likes us to dig deeper. It doesn't mean so we'll know more, but so we can know him better. And, Alex, that's the whole idea. When we answer these questions that people call in and have Bible questions, yeah, we want to answer it if we can, but the purpose is not to, okay, so you'll know that. No, so that you will know the Father better, so that you'll know the Savior so much better because when we know from the Word of God what he says and what he has for us, we come to him even in a greater way. So here Jesus says, Love the Father. He loves you. Doesn't that grab you? The Father loves you. He was telling these apostles. He said, telling us that as well, isn't he? Well, he really is. He really is. And you know what's so beautiful? Uh, there in verse 28, you've got eternity past, the incarnation, and eternity future. Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. Now, in John 18.37, we'll get to this, but Jesus told Pilate, For this cause I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. But you see, how could Jesus say that? How could he say he came into the world? Well, because he was prior to the world. Isn't that something? And, and I know, it's like Jesus said, I've got more to tell you, but you can't bear it now. He's trying to help them understand that he was prior to the world, he's leaving this world, but he'll come again, but in the meantime will be God the Holy Spirit to work in the church and through the church of all ages. Alex, let me say something that I said yesterday. I hope there's no believer out there that feels like they've got the short end of the stick by being alive in 2022 and not alive in the first part of the century where Jesus was. Jesus said, you're going to do greater things. He didn't say that those of us who have the Spirit of God in us are at a disadvantage. Matter of fact, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away and the Holy Spirit come in you. Uh, I've heard people say that, oh, if I could have just been alive back then when Jesus was walking the earth, I admit it, that would have been awesome. We're going to see him one day. But I want to just tell you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, is, listen, Jesus says he's glorifying me. 
I, I don't feel like we've got anything, that we've missed anything, Alex, by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, revealing truth to us, and showing us the direction we should go. And if you're listening today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in you will lead you to the truth. And Alex, let me just say, Jesus said that's to our advantage. Now, sometimes we have a hard time getting a hold of that, don't we? Well, we really do. It, we really do. And you know what? That We've got to understand that uh, with this blessing of salvation comes God's leadership. And um, it's like Spurgeon said, that for the Christian— by the way, Charles Spurgeon was a British preacher 100 years ago— uh, I won't belabor this point, but let's just say it. Spurgeon was great, wasn't he, Bert? <laughs> Listen, if you get any book that you can get by Charles Spurgeon, get it. I, I've got several, uh, whole commentaries well, full, yes. Well, Spurgeon said that for the Christian, life is a path down the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross. And he said... The Via Dolorosa, bearing your cross, dying daily. He said that is life's safest way. And I love the way he said this. He would say, the Via Dolorosa, fear not to tread its thorny paths. <laughs> yes. Bert, uh, you know this. Um, we know that life is not just going to be perfect, just, um, you know, milk and cookies for the Christian. In fact, Bert, I found that some of the most devout people, some of the people that were the most godly, faithful, are the people who actually seem to suffer more than other people. Have you I've that observed in- that. I went over that. We suffer because we live in a fallen world. We suffer because we reap the consequences of our actions. But as believers— we are disciplined, and then sec, uh, secondly to that as Christians, we are pruned, and all four of those are painful, whereas the people of that are not saved, they live in a fallen world. Yes, they're going to suffer. They will reap the consequences of their choices, but they are not disciplined by the Father. They are not pruned by the Father. So it's my declaration, Alex, that believers Uh, we probably do suffer more than those that are uh, lost in this present world. Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I want to give the number, folks. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If you've got a Bible question, we would love to hear your question. We'll do our best to give you a good answer. Well, you know what Jesus says? These things I have spoken to you that you might have peace. Now, in this world... You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, said the Savior. I have overcome the world. Alex, repeat that last phrase. Be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world, and dear believer, so will you. Amen. And rejoice in that and know Christ if you don't trust him today. That number again, 888-589-8840. We would love your Bible question today. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Hello, I'm Jenna Ellis. For years, I've been a guest on TV and radio shows that wanted me to hold my faith in, but that's about to change. John Adams said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. As a constitutional law attorney and a Christian, I intend to make the meaning of that quote very clear to all. I hope you'll be listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning, starting January 2nd on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. 
We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When their mom passed, the Landau brothers of New Jersey had a garage sale to clear out their mom's house. But they decided to keep a few things, including mom's old creepy painting of a woman passed out in a chair and two men trying to revive her. Fast forward to their estate auction, and the brothers found themselves fielding bids from France and Germany for the painting. Turns out, it was a long-lost Rembrandt that ultimately sold for $1.1 million. A trained eye spots value where others don't. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. days as we were talking about earlier jesus christ is coming back and the secret is is not to know the time it is to be ready when he chooses the father chooses to send him you remember the song midnight cry alex oh yes i love that song but it's going to be midnight somewhere in the world when christ comes back i tell you that but he's coming back and you can be assured of it but you need to be ready by knowing him as Lord and Savior. Well, Alex, we've opened the lines and people have called in. We're always glad when people call in, aren't we? <laughs> uh, well, we really are. And folks, your Bible questions, we welcome them, 888 We're going to begin today in Texas. Carolyn, in Texas, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Welcome. I was flipping through the TV this morning, and I heard a guy saying that Jesus went to hell. I don't believe that, but uh, he's, I know it's out of Ephesians 4, but where he led captivities captives. Mm-hmm. And my question is, is that where the Catholics get get purgatory, that you can go to hell and get people out? Because if Jesus went to hell, that means he brought people out of hell, but I, I don't believe that. Let me just start this off, Carolyn. You are you're doing good job of your understanding. Uh, the place of hell, a place of departed spirits before Jesus led captivity captive, was had two areas of holding. You had one that was torment. The other one was Abraham's bosom, and Jesus went to Abraham's bosom. Pete preached to those that were kept there. I know it says captivity captive, and sometimes we Look at that. Captive, that sounds horrible. No, it's holding, and it was called Abraham's bosom. Uh, Jesus called it paradise to the thief on the cross, but he led them back to the Father in heaven, and he did not go to the place of torment. On the Mm. cross, Alex, when he says it is finished, uh, he didn't need to go to hell to do that, to suffer, did he? He'd already suffered. Well, that's true. Now, there is an ancient statement of belief called the Apostles' Creed, and generally, I like the Apostles' Creed, and it's been recited for probably sixteen to 1,800 years, and there's a line in there in the English. It says, uh, uh, he descended into hell. The third day arose again from the dead. And I think that's made a lot of people assume that Jesus paid for our sins by going to hell. He, that's not the case. It means he descended into the realm of the dead, not 
Hades, but Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. So Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross. Now, he did enter the realm of the dead to take the believing saints of old from Abraham's bosom, paradise, to heaven. But no, Jesus did not, quote, uh, go to hell to achieve our salvation. It was paid for on the cross, wasn't it, Bert? It really was. I'm glad he said it is finished. We've been bought with a price, therefore, that price was Jesus, his death, the blood on the cross. Uh, Carolyn, thank you. Well, Mitchell in Mississippi, I believe it's Mississippi. Mitchell, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you all. Appreciate you, uh, Alex and Bert. I've got a question here in John chapter 3, uh, verse 3 and verse 5. It's, uh, Jesus is talking here, and it said, Lest, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in verse 5, it says, lest one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, that's, you know, you can't see and you can't enter. But if you turn over to Luke thirteen twenty eight, it uh, says, uh, uh, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. So my question is, one saying you can't see and you can't enter, and the other one is saying thrust out. Can y'all help me out there? Okay. Uh, thank you, Mitchell, for calling. We discussed this earlier in John 3, and we appreciate you doing that. Uh, Alex and I do believe that the water is talking about the uh, the physical birth and then born of the Spirit. Is Alex, you may have already seen it, the difference in seeing and entering. Is there a difference in the Greek language? A lot of times it will be the same word, but use it differently at different places. Do you know for sure in John 3 um, and 5? Yeah, I really think in the context of John 3, what he's talking about is being saved, entering the kingdom of God. And I think he's, like you say, uh, we all have the physical birth, born of the water. And and really that's, I mean, speaking about, um, you know, physical birth. But you have to have a second birth, the new birth, born again. And how is a person born again? By putting their faith in Jesus. If you want to enter heaven... See and it to see S E E. It really means to personally experience. If you want to be a part of of God's kingdom, you have to be born again. Now we've all had that first birth, but the second birth and birth. Uh, uh, Hark the herald angels sing has this wonderful line: uh, "Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth." That's faith in Jesus, <laughs> that is. isn't it? Amen. Let me say this, Mitchell, about uh, Luke. Uh, chapter 13, 28, and the ones preceding that, if you remember the rich man in hell, Luke 16, could see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, but he was still in the place of torment. So here, when it says they could see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets and see them and they were thrust out, uh, here's one of the worst things about hell. You're going to be able to see what you missed. That seems like to be the case, Alex. And and know that you're there in hell by your own choice. Yes. Hmm. Mitchell, great question. Uh, in Oklahoma, Ursula. Uh, Ursula, do I, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes. Well, welcome. What's your question? Uh, my question is that when Jesus was born, when Jesus was born, um, what last name would he have? Would he have Mary's last name? Would he have Joseph's last name? Probably far as the world could see, and if they had to register the way, uh, and they had last names in, uh, you know, Simon Bar-Jonah, you know, would it yeah. be Bar-Joseph, Alex, or some derivative of that? It Probably. would either be Bar or Ben, Yeshua yeah, Ben-Joseph, ben yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, often we'll say Jesus Christ, and um, C-H-R-I-S-T is not his last name. It really means the anointed one. Sometimes the early church leaders would say Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one. But in the Jewish uh, community, it might have been uh, Yeshua ben Joseph, you know, Jesus son of Joseph. Yeah. Uh, but that that's a great question, Thank, Ursula. That Thank was you. great thinking. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Ed in Arkansas. Ed, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask you a question, and I'll hang up, because I'm probably going to lose you, but what is the verse, uh, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain? Uh, what does that mean? Okay. 
Alex, it does mean abusive, but it may also be vain repetition, possibly, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it would be in in Exodus 20, uh, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's Exodus 20, verse 7. Now, I know when we talk about somebody taking the Lord's name in vain, Bert, I know we might think about um, when people use the, the name of the Lord as a swear word, and there are several variants on how people do that. But, Bert, I'm going to say this. The name of God is holy. Because God is holy. And I'm only trying to make a point here. I hear people say, oh my God, uh, or God. And Bert, I think it's possible to take the Lord's name in vain, not in the curse word way we often think about it, like people say, you know, I'm not even going to repeat it. But I think to take the name of God lightly or flippantly um, or make it just a saying, oh my God, I think that actually could be in jeopardy of transgressing Exodus 27, and yes, taking the name of the Lord God in vain. It means empty. In other words, you're just throwing it out, you're using it, as you said, Alex, and and honestly, I, I would say even in prayer, uh, somebody praying, and they're just praying their own, and oh, in Jesus' name, uh, listen, don't do that. Uh, be earnest. Uh, you know, reverence the name of Jesus. I mean, they would not even write his name. They would leave the vowels out of his name, recognizing the name of God so holy. Uh, we need to understand that he is holy, and we better treat his name that way. Amen. Well, well said. And Ed, thank you for that convicting question. David in Texas. David, you are on Exploring the Word. No, oh, thank you very much. Long time listener, second time I've ever been able to get through. Well, My question you. is, you're welcome. The lady that came on and asked about Jesus um, dying and going to hell. I want to ask is, all the people who died before Jesus came and was sacrificed to forgive us for all our sins, what happens to them? Because they never had a chance to hear the word. Okay. I was under the impression that when Jesus died, he went there to free those people and minister them you know, those three days while he was in hell and give them a chance to, to come into the fold. Okay, David, again, great follow-up question. You were, David, let me set this up, and Alex does it great at setting the details, but Old Testament, New Testament saints, saints in the church age, have all been saved the same way. You're saved by grace through faith. The Old Testament saints look forward to what God would do. Did they know specific as we do? No, but they trusted God. They said, God, we're in your hands. So they were saved, if you want to say it that way. I, I even like the word saved because they had trusted Christ. Alex, you know, they were there. Uh, they were separated then because didn't uh, uh, it was the rich man who said there's a great gulf fixed. Uh, Abraham was saying to the rich man, there's a great gulf fixed between where Abraham is, where Abraham's bosom is and where you are. So we know they were two compartments, weren't they? Well, well, that that's true. And, you know, all of the saints of old, Jew, Gentile, I mean, I think about Rahab, you know, uh, they all were saved by faith, trust. The word means trust, T-R-U-S-T, trust in the Messiah that would come, right? Now, Acts 17.30, Paul is preaching. And in Acts 17.30, Paul says regarding uh, the way that people of old would respond to whatever amount of light they had. Paul says, in times past, God winked at man's ignorance. In other words, kind of uh, overlooked a lot of ignorance. And then in Hebrews 11, read the latter part of Hebrews 11, talks about how people received the promises afar off. I mean, they just didn't have hardly any of the knowledge you and I have. I mean, we know the tomb is empty. But here's the thing. All of the pre-Calvary believers, Jew, Gentile, whomever, 
They trusted that this Messiah would come. Bert, I think about Job 19, 25, 26. Amen. I mean, Job, this is way before Moses in Mount Sinai, and he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he will stand on the earth at the latter day, and though worms destroy my body, one day in flesh I will see God. Hallelujah. So I believe that they put their trust in the Messiah that would come. God have mercy on me. They were in Abraham's bosom. Jesus goes into the realm of the dead and takes the believing saints of old to heaven. So, Bert, could it be fair to say, and I know this is a bit speculative, but Abraham's bosom, paradise in the heart of the earth, is empty now. Amen. Because yeah. at the resurrection, they were taken to heaven, and they're in heaven to this moment. They are with the Savior, because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with the saints to get us, and we, those of us that remain and are alive, and we'll be caught up in the air with him. And so we're going to join them in praising Jesus around the throne. Alex, probably got time for one more question. Who's it going to be? Oh, that beautiful place called Iowa. And we're going to speak with Russell. Russell in Iowa, are you there? I am. Welcome. Enjoy your show, gentlemen. Well, Thank we're you, honored that you would listen. Uh, I, uh, I had a question uh, about Isaiah 9-6 and different Bible versions. Um, the King James and even some of the newer versions, they put a comma between wonderful and counselor. And of course, I memorized it, that verse as a, as a kid. And, you know, it was always the uh, wonderful, comma, counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. A lot of the newer versions put that together, wonderful counselor. And I'm just wondering, is it are we dropping an adjective there of Jesus or adding to it? We don't have a lot of time. Let me say this. On uh, December the 22nd, we will be covering Isaiah 9-6. You'll want to listen to that, Russell, if you can. We'll be covering that exact thing. Alex, you talked about that. Got about a minute left. Could you go over that? Yeah, it, you know, in the order of the Hebrew, the word ordering is very interesting. Um, his name will be called God, Counselor, Wonderful, Prince, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, uh, and Prince of Peace. So here's the question. Is wonderful an adjective or a noun? I think it's a noun. I think it's one of his titles. Now, we know he is wonderful, but... In the sense of his identity, one of his names, wonderful. Let me say this. Uh, either way, I, I agree with you, but either way, we're good. He is a yeah. counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Adjective, he is wonderful, the noun. And and so praise God. Uh, th- with no, you know, those comments, commas, and, and periods in the Hebrew, uh, but you have to look at it, and the way it's used it, it's more likely that it is a noun, isn't it, Alex? Exactly, exactly. And he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We hope Jesus is number one in your life. Remember, he's as close by as a prayer. Call out to him today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.